I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2021 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series supported by Environmental Tillage Systems. In today's program, we learn more about recent strip-till equipment evolutions and experiments emerging in a Nebraska strip-tiller's custom operation. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And a reminder that by subscribing, you'll be able to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released. Thanks again to Environmental Tillage Systems for their support of this podcast series. At Environmental Tillage Systems, our mission is to provide progressive farmers with an innovative production system that profitably rebuilds the land. Contact ETS to discuss how the Soil Warrior can improve ROI on your farm at www.soilwarrior.com. Well, pairing precision technology with strip-till was an opportunistic combination for Ty Fickenshire. The owner of Upward Ag Systems, a precision consulting business in Axtell, Nebraska, Ty started offering custom strip-till to local farmers as a way to expand business, along with a smarter way to farm. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast, part two, supported by Environmental Tillage Systems, we share more from our recent conversation with Ty, talking about his recent experience testing and transitioning to a new strip-till rig configuration. You know, you've had experience now with uh, the ETS machines for a few years uh, and, and the soil war. You kind of talked a little bit about some of the things that you particularly like about, you know, the performance in the field. But obviously, you know, they've, they've kind of uh, evolved as well. And uh, you've, you've had an opportunity to, uh, you know, work with them through the last year um, on, you know, something new that, that they're going to be, be delivering here. So I'm wondering if you could maybe set the stage, talk a little bit about, you know, how you got involved with the new, the new system that they've got coming out. Yeah, so, and I guess, you know, I guess, sorry, I'd probably mention the name. They, they're developing the Solar Edge, and I think there's going to be a launch uh, coming up here uh, early March, I believe it is. Um, but for a couple of years now, I've been, you know, in our part of the world, three-point mounted implements are, are still very common. Um, I'd say probably even more common than pole type. Um, when you're talking about planters, strip till, um, those type of applications. So I've really been talking with them a couple of years about how we can get a full strip till setup on a three point toolbar. And they, they have had the zone freshener. I think they call it the zone ninja. They've had that for, you know, three years or so. So they've offered something like that, but it wasn't really meant for heavy tillage, um, like what we're wanting to do. And so we talked to them about it. And of course the issue that they came up with, or my understanding is, is that the, the current row units that they have, the N, the X, um, uh, the cog wheel, those are just, they're, they're built very well, but they're built too heavy for what a three-point bar can handle. And so they kind of went back to the drawing board and developed the, this new row unit. And we had the opportunity to test it here um, for them this fall. And really, it was probably about the best time to test a row unit like that for heavy tillage because of how, how dry we were. Um, there's guys have been farming a whole career in this area and they said they said they've never seen it this dry in the fall I think we had four days total this fall when we we're doing strip till where we were, we were where we were uh, held out from the field due to weather events um, so very dry conditions very unusual conditions but it's great for testing the durability of a machine like this and when we're talking about the shanks you know we with the other machine we run with the shanks we had issues 
bending shanks this year on a couple fields because of how hard it was, you know, compacted whatnot. Um, and so we were putting this machine to the test to see, you know, what it could or couldn't do. And, you know, there's conditions where it was pulling a, you know, on a 16 row or 12 row it was pulling a 435 horse tractor down to four mile an hour. So like I said, I think we were kind of able to test it in about the worst conditions it's ever going to see and really pleased with the results. Uh, the farmers made the comment that the strip is left behind. They're, they're looking very looking forward to planting in that in the spring. Um, you know, broke up what I thought was going to leave some massive clods from dry conditions. It broke up really nice and, and I wouldn't say turned it to powder, but it definitely made it look like a planting condition that anybody would want to plant into. So, um, but yeah, with, so with that, like I said we, it's, and the other thing with that one too is we can switch in a matter of probably, you know, once we have the row unit set up in probably a couple hours, we could switch a 16 row machine from a shank to a coulter. Um, so when you're looking at going from fall to spring, you know, that switch over uh, takes much less time. And even if uh, somebody wants to switch in season, you know, it'd be very quick to switch from, from one style to another, um, depending on what you're want, wanting to accomplish. So how, um, how much acreage uh, did, did you kind of test the, uh, the machine on uh, this past fall? I, I think if I remember right, it was right around 2,400 acres that that machine covered. Um, I, I think that was a little bit of a shock ETS. I think they were figuring it was going to be two or 300 acres. And, but like I said, we put it to the test and, and wanted to make sure it was going to work for what we were wanting to do. So, so kind of going into uh, those trials and, and obviously, you know, with the experience you'd had, um, you know, running the 4540 and the Soil Warrior, you know, what kind of expectations did, did you have, you know, on what you were hoping to see versus, you know, what the reality was of, you know, taking that machine, you know, across almost 2,500 acres last fall? I would, quite honestly, what I was hoping to see and what I saw, I mean, there was some good parallels there. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was disappointed in any regard on the machine. Um, I'm just trying to think, you know, we, we had some things with lift assist that, that didn't quite work as expected, but uh, the engineer up there that we were working with on that, he was fantastic. And if, if something didn't work, I think he had three different designs that he went through here this fall on lift assist even. And that's one thing I really like about you know, working with ETS is if there's an issue, it's addressed immediately. It's not something that's kind of, oh, we'll look at it for the next design season. Um, if it's something that's happening in the field, it, it's addressed um, promptly has, has been my experience. But, you know, for the job that it did, you know, we had to change some settings on it, um, you know, get the depth correct and, and whatnot. But the, the nice thing is, is those settings are there to, to be adjusted so we can make it do what we want it to do. So it's not something that's fixed where you're having to, you know, unbolt everything and swap things around. It's, you know, a matter of adjusting, you know, tool bar pitch or, or airbag pressure or shank depth or, you know, whatever it might be, it's all right there. So I guess all in all, you know, like I said, the experience, what I was expecting and what we experienced were, I would, you know, I would say is very, very much in line with each other. So you mentioned, obviously, you know, some of the uh, efficiency gains, you know, in terms of, of switching out uh, the row units and, and making those adjustments. Um, you know, what are you seeing as some, kind of some of the other big differences between, you know, running the Soil Warrior and, and you know, the Edge unit uh, as far as either performance or results or, or maybe more from the, the mechanical side uh, or just the uh, adjustability? 
Yeah, I would say, you know, we have more adjustment features um, that we can do with the edge. Like I said, we can switch from a shank to a coulter in a relatively short amount of time. Even changing the depth, you know, it's a matter of pulling a pin and, and you can drop the shank down on the edge. With the in-row unit, kind of the original shank unit that ETS has, um, you change depth by adjusting air pressure. With the edge, you can change depth by adjusting air pressure and your uh, shank setting. So there's a couple different settings there. You know, it's built a little bit lighter, but I don't feel like it's any less durable. You know, they've done some things. They've, they've kept the pins uh, for the pivot points on the parallel arms. What the engineer ex is experimenting with is using a poly sheath on the pins so that so it doesn't need to be greased. You know, it's going to have to be replaced at some point, but at least not have to worry about greasing quite as much in season. Uh, compared to the current machine and really even the current machine on the end row unit there's two zerks per row that we have to worry about greasing so it's not like it takes you know an entire morning to grease the machine down it's it's really quick on that even but yeah i'd say that, i mean those are probably the main things i know they've done you know a different rolling basket but they're they're implementing that on the current row units um so a lot of different uh options that are available on the machines and you know customized to, <laughs> to what a customer needs for their farm so Right. Well, right. And that, and that customization is obviously, uh, you know, increasingly important to obviously kind of tailor that solution to, you know, what that farmer is looking for. Um, so they have a good experience, you know, and obviously uh, want to continue. We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Environmental Tillage Systems, for making this podcast possible and share a little bit more information about the new Soil Warrior Edge. Your soil, your season, your edge. Make the new three-point Soil Warrior Edge from Environmental Tillage Systems your strip tillage system. Because you don't get to choose the condition of your soil, the Soil Warrior Edge is engineered to handle whatever's in your fields. That same durable engineering goes the extra acre when that's what you have to do. The new Soil Warrior Edge three-point mounted strip till system. Learn more at SoilWarrior.com. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Ty Fickenshaw on some of the key beneficial intersections of technology and a successful strip-till system. We've seen, especially again, especially the ETS, and I think there's probably other companies that are, are doing something very similar, but you know, integrating to where we can do the implement guidance, we can do, you know, control the, the scales or see the scales through the display instead of having a separate setup. You know, I know ETS, they worked with uh, Raven. They have their ice, what do they call it, the Swickum, um, their own ISOBUS controller, rate controller as well. Um, you know, there's a number of different rate controllers on the market. And, you know, what we found, we, we actually run European tractors, and what we found is making sure that, you know, we have the right technology in the cab to be able to communicate with the implement. Um, unfortunately, that's that's advanced at light speed as well. I mean, those companies have been very good about responding to that and, and addressing that that need. But... Um, you know, I, I kind of make the comment that doing what we're doing now, we, there's no way we could have done it 10 years ago with everything going on with the, the tractor guidance, the implement guidance, the, you know, running three or four different products and whether it's liquid, dry and hydrogen, you know, running all those at variable rates. Um, you know, it's just amazing how quickly this is advancing and it's kind of, you know, looking forward to seeing what, what's going to be, you know, coming down the road. And of course, I think with the machine automation, um, you know, kind of coming to the forefront, just seeing how, how that does change, how we do our business and, and what's expected or, or what, uh, what we're able to implement. 
um, to help customers kind of keep the, the ball moving forward. What brand of, of tractor and, and how many are you running in your, your strip till system? So we've got a couple of Kloss tractors right now, uh, Kloss Zerion. Um, they're kind of the, the four-wheel drive version of, of what Kloss makes. And then I said this year we also ran a, a Challenger 1042, um, which is, you know, Agco Fent, you know, that, that lineup. So, um, you know, Fent comes from southeast Germany and Kloss comes from northwest Germany. So, um, but they've got, you know, in our experience, that's been – it's been great working with them. I mean, we've had tremendous support locally from the dealerships um, and even just some of the machine functions and how versatile they are. Uh, really like, really like how they've set their machines up. So you mentioned obviously, you know, some of the, uh, the advantages and uh, the accuracy, you know, that we have uh, now versus what we wouldn't have had 10 years ago, even with, with precision and, and those field operations. Um, can you walk me through kind of, you know, your setup uh, on, on your equipment uh, within your, your custom strip till business in terms of the technology that you're utilizing? You know, what kind of systems, what kind of, uh, you know, optimization and, and uh, things are, are you looking to incorporate there for customers, um, you know, when you're taking, taking uh, your system out into the field? Yeah. Yeah, we've actually, so we've really kind of stayed uh, green when it comes to technology. We've been using, you know, John Deere rate controllers. We use their globe, their display, um, their implement guidance, uh, the, uh, I can't think of what it's called, but the implement guidance module anyway. Um, on, probably one of the biggest changes we made here uh, a couple of years ago is we switched from RTK to SF3. And I, I thought it was kind of funny. I actually made that comment to a customer about halfway through the fall season here. And he goes, well, how long ago did you do that? And I told him and he goes, it, it's worked out. I said, well, I guess it hasn't been an issue for you, has it? And he said, well, no. <laughs> so being able to go to SF3, um, use just satellites instead of having to worry about which base station we're connected to has been very advantageous. Um, you know, especially for the geography we cover. I mean, we go outside of one dealership's air trade area even, um, so to make sure we're not having to line up different dealers uh, for a subscription has been, has been helpful as well. But yeah, I guess that's probably been the, we're looking at a different rate controller that'll help us do some more auto cal as we're going through the field. Um, instead of having to change our CFR to you know, adjust the rates that are actually being put down, I'm looking at one that'll do that for us. Um, that's a Mueller rate controller that we're looking at there. So, um, and then like I said, I know with ETS, they make their SWCC and when they have a oh, kind of a pseudo auto cal, if you will, it kind of helps set the calibration number um, while you're going through the field. So like I said, it's, there's always something changing the technology. Um, we haven't quite gotten to the machine sync yet. Haven't really found a good reason to do that. Um, but we do provide at the end of every season, we pull that uh, all the as applied maps in and, you know, we build off the as applied maps. We share, share the maps with the customers to verify amounts applied acres, things along those lines. So really try to provide as much technology resources as the, as the customer needs. The last couple of questions I had is, um, you know, kind of more forward looking and uh, certainly in our experience here, uh, with Stripto Farmer and talking to people throughout the course of these these podcasts uh, over the several years, um, you know it's been interesting to hear you know that that there does seem to be some uh, distinct you know momentum uh, for strip till and, and interest uh, you know throughout 
uh, agriculture. And, you know, we, we hear about, you know, a lot of these pockets emerging, you know, of strip tillers and, you know, it's, it's one neighbor who starts and then, you know, the next neighbor hears about it. And then, you know, you're kind of building a small community within that region. Curious, you know, kind of what, what are you seeing, you know, out, out in your area, Nebraska and kind of the region there in terms of the practice and, and interest and adoption, uh, you know, and where do you see that going over the next few years? Yeah, so in this area, there, there's one farm, a neighboring farm. They've been doing strip till for, oh, you know, 10, 10 years probably. They were the first ones to do it. And I'd say since that time, and especially since 15, um, it's been a pretty straight up uh, trajectory on the adoption of strip till in this area. Um, we've only been in this area since 2000, fall of 2006, I guess we moved to this area. So, you know, not quite 15, I guess 14 years now. And when we first moved to the area there, at that time, there was a big switch going from conventional till to no-till. And, you know, like I said, since that time, you know, 10 years is when those, those, that, that customer started doing strip till um, or the neighbor started doing strip till. And, you know, last five years is really when it's been a big switch from, from no-till to, uh, to the strip till. And I, you're right. I mean, there's pockets. I mean, I know you get west of us about 150 miles and they've been doing strip till for, you know, 20, 25, 30 years, you know, for, for quite a while. They're really the first ones in the country doing that type of work. But we look at different areas and, and, I'm, and I'm not, you know, that's the thing. I go down to Texas or go up to Wisconsin. I'm not going to be an expert on how, you know, what, what they need to do in their fields to raise the best crops. But you know, I look in this area and, and with the, the crops being grown, with the residue we have to deal with each year with growing conditions, you know, strip till has been a fantastic fit to really kind of move the needle on getting to that, getting to that next level of production. Um, so, but it seems like whenever it moves into an area um, and, and getting this more from talking with ETS, whenever strip till moves into an area, um, once the first, you know, couple guys try it for two or three years after that, the adoption really, really takes off and grows very quickly with it. Well, thank you, Ty, for sharing some of your initial experience with Strip-Till and the evolution of your custom business. Again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Environmental Tillage Systems, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessetermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm today by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies daily e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our strip-till farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again for the next episode in our 2021 podcast series. For Ty Fickenshire, Environmental Tillage Systems, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening.